0: Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
1: Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash loss. That's plushcare.com slash loss. Hello, and welcome to Blizzard Watch, the podcast where we talk about Blizzard Entertainment and its many games. I'm your host, Matt Rossi, and with me this week is not just one, but two fantastic co-hosts. I'm going to introduce the long-time co-host first, because she's always here, and she's always doing a great job for the show, uh, Ann Stickney. Ann, how are you doing? I'm
0: all right. I think I have a cold, but I'm not sure. I've been coughing a lot. I apologize if I sound kind of off on the show. That would be why.
1: we're in that weird period where you can't tell if you actually have a cold or if it's just the weather changes or, you know, what it is. it might going just on. be because yeah. I
0: have the heater running and there's that whole like the heater dust thing that happens when the heater's been mm-hmm. run. Yeah. Yeah. Only I think that that moment has passed, like, because I turned the heater on like two weeks ago and that moment has passed, I thought, but I don't know. Or it's just, you know, dry air in general. Great. Yay. Anyway, that's enough about me.
1: Let's talk about a yeah, guest. Yeah, Also with us this week, uh, he's n- not been on the show too many times, but he did do the BlizzCon special with us, and he's going to talk about some stuff with us today. Corey, what's going on, Corey? Say hi to hey, everybody.
2: Hi, everybody. Uh, it's great to be here. Got a super nice day outside in Edmonton, above freezing, which is beautiful. Can't yeah, to-
1: it's it's weird. Uh, Corey and I both live in Edmonton, so it, it's strange to me to be above freezing.
2: It's, I was it's not expecting it. Unseasonably warm again, time yes. of year.
1: For, for Edmonton, unseasonably warm is above freezing, like, <laughs> just so you know. Or even even when it was negative six the other day, we're like, wow, it's so warm. I can go out in my shirt sleeves because we're yeah. insane. Sandals. But, you know, since, since this is not actually a show about blizzards and the monitoring thereof, but rather about video games, despite its deceptive name, we're not going to talk too much more about Edmonton weather. Instead, we're going to talk about top stories. Um, and the first top story is why Corey's here, actually, because... Last week, Blizzard finally broke its silence as to the fate of the, you know, its its Heroes of the Storm esports. In that there is no Heroes of the Storm esports in 2019. So if you want to give us a rundown on what exactly is going on, because all I know is they just basically chopped everything.
2: Is yeah, that that's right? right. That is 100% right. Uh, they announced last Wednesday, maybe Thursday, uh, in a blog post that went out on social. They didn't even put it out as an official thing that they were scaling back the developers involved with Heroes of the Storm, and that they were completely cancelling the esports out entirely. And that was a bit of a shock to a lot of people, because while Heroes, uh, the HGC had never been, you know, making, setting records in the esports world, it was no League of Legends or Dota, uh, it was still respectable at 6th or 7th watched, and uh, money involved 6th or 7th for views on Twitch and total prize pool given out. And everyone... Was just kind of working under the assumption that it was happening. So a lot of people were getting themselves ready for the next year. They were the roster apocalypse was happening with players dropping teams and retiring, and new people signing up. And uh, so all of a sudden, all of these people were just like, "Oh, I guess it's over," because there is no more HGC, and it's a uh, it was very sudden. So a lot of people are very upset. And
1: yeah, I remember, Thanks. like, I was surprised that it was it was Jalen Bragg who actually wrote the. The post was from him, wasn't it? Yep. Directly from him?
2: And the and new is, chief development officer.
1: Okay. And what is it they're doing with the, Like some of the they transferred people to other games? Is that what's going on? Yeah,
2: they're moving a, a lot of their developers off of Heroes of the Storm. Uh, Heroes has had some great developers recently with um, just the artwork that they're doing and the character animation. Uh, the work that Oscar and Lana and Karina have been doing on the, on the Hot Steam has been amazing. And they're just the, the three who have gotten the most publicity out of BlizzCon uh so uh, they're probably taking some of them and pushing them into other upcoming projects that they're still working on and upcoming content for wow just because they they don't want to support heroes as much in the future keep in mind they're that going...
0: they do have a bunch of unannounced projects still under their belt don't they
2: yes that's true uh there are a lot of projects that are coming out in the future that we don't know about uh they they've got a bunch of secret stuff they're working on so we could see some amazing things coming out of these people still yeah, And the developers it's... still have jobs at Blizzard, so that's good.
0: Yeah, it's, well, and I mean, good for the developers and everything, but for all of the people who have been putting their time, energy, and work into, like, the esports side of things, where does that leave them? You know, they just have to move on now, I guess? Yeah. yeah I actually uh,
1: wanted to ask about that, because um, we just got out of BlizzCon last month. And people came, went into and came out of BlizzCon thinking, okay, this is the big event for all of Blizzard's esports, including heroes. And people were like, okay, now, now that that's over, we're going to look forward to the next year. And Blizzard was pretty quiet about next year, that whole time, like until like last week, right? Am I correct on this?
2: Yes. Um, a lot of people were being told behind the scenes, like the, the team coaches and the team managers were being told behind the scenes that 2019 was definitely a thing. It was definitely going to happen. Uh, in their upcoming, what's happening next, twenty nineteen for the Hots thing from the BlizzCon like cinematic, they HDC is part of it. So everyone at, like this surprised a lot of the developers on Blizzard on the Hots side of things too. The the change and the reduction and the canceling of the the pro scene. It just uh, sounds
0: like it was a really sudden thing to everybody. Like yeah. nobody was aware that this was happening until it was dropped. There are including, from like, some of the... internal people had no idea that this was happening.
2: Yeah, there were reports from some of the pros who were saying that they were getting told by Blizzard, hey, we'll have an announcement for you in a couple weeks, no later than this date. And then they blew past that. It was like the end of November or something. And they blew past that. And so something in the last month changed enough with their priorities. They decided to move a lot of their uh, content into other places. This just kind of
0: makes me sad. This means no Heroes of the Dorm either, right?
2: No Heroes of the Dorm. The collegiate stuff is done. Uh, which is kind of the problem with how Blizzard set up the HGc and the Heroes of the Dorm. They, because uh, they kind of took complete control, and nobody else was really running any teams. Heroes Hype uh, is an organization that was helping them run their open division, which is where the teams could like work up through and try and get into the HGc. And so that's kind of that was kind of the only other game in town. There wasn't really any other tournaments happening. So. Organizations like them and Heroes Hearth uh, are looking at trying to get another grassroots community going and trying to get some more high-level Heroes play happening in the next year. But what ends up happening with that, we'll have to wait and see. Hopefully, we'll get uh, we'll get some news, some solid plans well, coming really, out.
0: That kind of bums me out because Heroes of the Dorm, I mean, I remember the first year that they did it and they were on ESPN and there was that whole tweet storm from very confused people. <laughs> who were like, why why are there video games on my ESP? What are they talking about? Hams and cores. I don't understand. (laughs) It was just great. (laughs) It was great. I don't know. I always really enjoyed watching that like every year and I'm really kind of sad that we're not going to see that because that was like that was a really good opportunity for people.
2: Yeah, Uh, it got them involved and I was a lot of those tweets were things along the lines too of uh, oh, holy crap. I don't know what this game is, but all of a sudden there's these people getting really excited about a core and there's ham involved. So I'm, I'm into it now. And it was really cool to see people from outside the community, uh, get involved like that or get excited about things that we're doing. Yeah. yeah it's
1: one of the things that it's really sad to see is that people have, you know, they've made a kind of career out of this in some cases. This is, this is people's job.
2: Yeah. And, uh, you know, I feel so bad have, for, yeah. I feel so bad for all of the pros for the, the support staff around the teams. Um, there's a lot of people whose livelihoods were this. And I, I yeah, there's some argument to be made that it kind of sucks. You shouldn't like place your entire fortunes on someone else's product like that. But it, it's at the end of the day, it's the Christmas season and they're going in. They just got told that they basically have no job.
0: Yeah. That's mm-hmm. yeah, not that's, fun that's... at all. So, what does this mean for the future of Heroes of the Storm in general?
2: For the future in general, we are looking at. Uh, whatever release schedule we have, it's going to be a lot less of a schedule. Uh, we're currently used to getting a new hero about every six months. So uh, we're. I'm expecting to see one about every two months now, if, if that, maybe every three months. So the the release schedule of the heroes is going to slow down. I don't know if we're going to see much more in the way of Battlegrounds or uh, what the upcoming events will be like. Because right now they're running their their toy event for Wintervale, and it's super fun. And there's this fun little mini game with, great voice actor. He gives out quests and you're moving beasts around and they And the they came skins up are
0: fantastic.
2: The Dahaka skin that's like a plastic dinosaur toy and his ultimate ability where he puts a, a blob on someone's head and it makes them blind for a couple seconds. That they can't cast. In that skin he puts a little dinosaur mask on people's heads. And it's hilarious because all of a sudden there's a dinosaur headed Malfurion wandering around.
0: Yeah. No! So, so Heroes of the <laughs> Storm... What it sounds like is they're just kind of dialing it back like they did with Diablo 3 where it's like we're going to go ahead and release stuff but it's not going to be like major patch stuff, that kind of thing.
2: Yeah, that's probably what we are we can expect. Uh, content here and there, some events, some things like that, but nothing groundbreaking and I don't think we're going to see much more in the way of major game overhauls or updates.
0: That really makes me sad. It does.
2: Heroes was I mean, a lot of fun. The developers looked like they were always having a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. I mean, everybody always looked like they were having a really good time with it. And I didn't play it. Keep in mind that I didn't really play it because I was terrible at it. And I should stop talking about it like like it's already gone or something. Because it's not going anywhere. The game's still going to be there. You can still play the game and stuff. It's just the eSports stuff that's been shut down. And they're kind of dialing back on the new content and things like that. But the game's still going to be there. I never really got into it because I wasn't very good at it. But I always enjoyed watching it. Like, I enjoyed watching people play it. And I always enjoyed watching the tournaments and stuff like that. They were just, they were super fun to watch. So,
1: yeah. I saw saw one thing online that I thought was pretty telling. They're like, you know, from the beginning to now, Blizzard managed to completely lose out on a genre that they created. Yeah. You know, games like League and Dota 2 are playing in a sandbox that Blizzard made possible in the first place. And when Blizzard brought in their entry to it, there's nothing. You can't say there's anything mechanically bad about Heroes of the Storm. There is nothing wrong with this game. Uh, I didn't play it that often, but I did play it, and it it does exactly what you expect that kind of game to do. It does it pretty well. Um, I even I, I understood. I had fun playing Malfurion, who's a, like a healer in a in a you know Dota style game. I'm going to call it a Dota style in the game now because come on, yeah. uh, you know I don't I don't like Moba. I've never liked Moba. <laughs> Sounds like a really angry space whale. Um, But anyway, yeah, it's just, it's so weird to see this happen to this game. I I did not expect it. I especially didn't expect it just sort of dropped on everybody like this.
2: Yeah, no, that was very sudden. Like, not even a run, like a a shorter, we're going to do one more half season kind of thing, guys, uh, to run it out or reducing it. Just completely gone. Stop, put, was very surprising.
0: Yeah, that, I don't know. That's just weird that they would do that. And like I said, it seems like it was a surprise to everybody, including people that were working on it actively in Blizzard, which is just, it's like, okay, well, that's new. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm kind of curious if maybe this is just a sign that maybe MOBA games in general are kind of like, they had their moment and now people are moving on to something else.
1: I feel like MOBAs have gotten to the same thing that MMOs got to. Where there's a couple big ones that dominate the space and a few quirky, plucky ones that still hold on and, and carve out niches, but a lot of that glut is gone. Like Dota 2 and and League of Legends are pretty much dominating the space, and anybody else who's doing something along those lines has a little niche. And I don't think I don't think Blizzard felt like a niche was where they wanted to be with their game. Like if they're going to be pouring development resources into it, that's just my yeah. My
0: honestly, when I think about MOBAs. Like the first thing I go to is League of Legends and then Dota but and, and yeah. I mean maybe I should go to Dota first because it was here first it was like the first thing that kind of defined the genre to begin with but League of Legends is so big that mm-hmm. it's like they're still having their moment and they're still apparently doing absolutely fine it feels like Heroes just never quite got to that level for some reason and I don't know why because it's a really good game like I, I also, said I, I always enjoy watching it you know
1: I- I don't know if Corey will think about this but i wanted to ask it and see what he thinks do you think that the runaway success of overwatch and the overwatch league had anything to do with this
2: there's some uh rumbling from the people involved with hots that uh a lot they felt that they were kind of the guinea pig uh esports structure for the overwatch league and that while the overwatch league was getting promoted like crazy and uh anyone who came up with an idea for the HC that turned out really well got kind of snapped up by overwatch league because it was the big moneymaker so, uh, they mentioned uh, uh someone with a handle CS steve who kind of pioneered the bit cheering system for uh hots and the hots league where you gave a hundred bits and you would put it into a pool and then you would get stuff for your for in heroes through the twitch when you're watching the the matches and they took that over to overwatch league and it's doing great over there and getting their stuff but it it, it started in the hgc so they were thinking that anything good happening in hgc just kind of got snapped up and like overwatch league is huge they they said they build it from the ground up. They got new teams. They you know all the all the stuff about Overwatch League that's making it a success. Uh, Haas just never quite got for the HGC. There's no merch store where you can buy Team Freedom or Heroes' Hearth or Fnatic merch the same way. Like they they were all running their own stores for their own stuff, but there was no like central Blizzard store selling HGC merch.
1: Yeah, you can't get a special like you know Malfurian skin that like it's it's like a purple. And blue thing, or what have you, team colors, nothing like that. Yeah. All right. Um, you guys think we've anything else to talk about on this one before we move on? Nah, yeah, let's go ahead and move on. All right. Since Anne mentioned Diablo before, uh, I'm going to mention that Diablo's uh, season 16, Diablo 3's uh, season 16 is coming out. on. Originally, it was announced for January 11th, but it's been moved to January 18th. So that's about halfway through next month. And it's the season of, of grandeur which um, either of you guys like read up on this. Okay, I can explain it, but if either of you wants to, that's cool too.
0: No, you go ahead I... and go over it.
1: Okay, yeah, go for it. Season of Grandeur is different than other previous seasons. Like if you play during the season of Greed, or as I like to call it, the best season ever. Oh God, please make every season the season of Greed. Why <laughs> is it gone? I miss it so. Um, the season of Greed, it didn't matter if you were doing a seasonal character or not. The uh, the extra Treasure Goblin portal the extra treasure goblins and extra treasure goblin portals and all that stuff was for everybody. If you were playing Diablo three during that season, you got access to that, whether or not you were playing a seasonal character for this season, season 16, <clears throat> only seasonal characters get the benefit of the season of grandeur because the season of grandeur is an, is an entirely new type of season. Uh, instead of it being just a world thing like the extra goblins or the extra heradric cashes or what have you, Instead, everybody gets a legendary power from a specific legendary, in this case, the mm. Ring of Royal Grandeur, which if you don't know what that is, the Ring of Royal Grandeur is a legendary that reduces the amount of set pieces you need to activate a set a, a set bonus by one with a minimum of two. So if if there's a two piece set bonus, you still need two pieces to get that. But if there's a four-piece set bonus, you only need three pieces to get that. If there's a six-piece, then you only need five pieces to get that. Which means so you the can...
0: ring's kind of like a, a filler for <clears throat> that of. last set slot. Kind or of. Or
1: if you wanted to say use, you know, say you wanted to use the six-piece set bonus on your Crusader set, but there's also a two-piece set bonus that you want to use, but that set bonus requires you to not would require you to not wear. All of the uh, set that you want to get the six-piece bonus on, it would normally not be possible. But with the Ring of Royal Grandeur, suddenly it is. Um, one example I can give you is that on a Barbarian, the six-piece Wrath of the Waste set bonus is really good. Um, you you spin around and kill everything, and it just does am- amounts of the damage. But the two-piece Immortal King set bonus is also good, but you can't get both normally. Because the because they overlap a, on a slot, yeah, you you need to wear the belt. Okay. Um, both both the uh, Wrath of the Waste set and the Immortal King set have a belt that you would need to wear. Um, they, then you'd need to use a weapon that's also part of the set. With this ring's bonus, you can now do that. You could have both set bonuses, so you could have permanent Ancients up while also spinning around constantly. Which you know, it's like a dream for me. So but, this is
0: basically the season of OP, is
1: what I'm hearing. Well, the, the cool thing about it is that it also means that you won't need to use the ring. It won't. The ring doesn't stack, and neither does the ring power stack with the, the Kanai's cube, which means that you just get a free legendary power, and you don't need to use it. Like you don't need to have that ring on. You don't need to have the uh, Kanai's cube power turned on. So you can use whatever uh, a different Kanai's cube power, and you can use a different ring. You don't have to use this one which means Wait, so you there's... don't
0: actually have to have it like equipped or
1: anything to get the N- bonus from it? Not at all. And it oh, doesn't stack. Oh my gosh. So there's okay. no reason if you have the ring or you have the ring power in your cube, there's no reason to use it this season cuz you'll just have it.
2: Oh man, that's going to make greater rifts go crazy.
1: Yeah, people are going to be trying to work out new data mining what's going to be the best uh th- you know, the best uh, legendary combination to use. And there's going to be the lots of people doing um theory crafting for it. Right now Blizzard has their idea of what they think is going to be the, the strongest combination, but they've admitted we're waiting to see what you come up with.
0: Okay, uh, well let's let's move on to the
1: rewards because we need to talk about those wings. Okay, yes. Uh the cosmetic rewards are the typical two pieces of a conquerors, um the typical frame, but yeah, there's also I can't remember the name of the of the of the monarch butterfly wings, but the wings if of you limbo. Remember, they're so
0: pretty. Yeah, the wings,
1: the wings of Limbo are, if you remember uh, Magda, the way Magda looked yeah. when you actually did Diablo Three, Imagine that, but colored like a monarch butterfly's wings. And they are they are very striking. There's there's an item in game you can get that that does the same appearance, but not quite as as not the same color. Uh, so this is a unique color for the variant for that that skin. And the item you get in game is extremely rare. Uh, it's it's like you'll be going to Whimsyshire a lot before you get these wings they are they are extremely rare. So it's cool that so you can now pretty. you can now get them just for doing the season. You don't have to worry about it. Then and, and of course there's the typical um you know extra stash tab, uh extra you can get your knives you can get knives you can get the uh, Hadrix gift uh which by the way I I always feel like I need to mention this. If you're completing on a season character, but the the season the set you're getting for that character would be one you already have on your main and you don't want to get the same set because you know, when the season's over, you're going to end up with just a duplicate set and you're going to have to trash it. Uh, you don't have to give your Hadric's gift to the character that earns it because you get a Hadric's gift for completing chapter two, chapter three and chapter four. And you can just, as soon as you get the box, you can send it to any other seasonal character that you have. So you could make so a level one. So send it to one... somebody who
0: doesn't have the set already.
1: Yeah. If you, if you want to say you wanted the Crusader version that's, that, that's dropping this season, or say you wanted the Demon Hunter version, you could just roll a level one Demon Hunter and just send this, the, the, uh, the Hadrix gifts to them, and they can open them, and the, the set inside will become the one for Demon Hunters. It, it, it's key to whoever opens it. So if you open it on a monk, you get monked here if you open it on a demon hunter you get demon hunter tier necromancer same deal and you have to make sure if you want to get a complete set you have to open all three on the same character because otherwise that's it you only get three hadrix gifts even if you played one character through chapter 2 and then switched around you're not going to get another hadrix gift uh, until you hit chapter 3 on that new character you there's only three that's that's what you get you get they're locked to your account not to your characters so well
0: that sounds pretty cool so all that's kicking in on January 18th
1: that's correct Okay. Cool. This this particular season is different, uh, in terms of the way they're doing this power. How thing.
0: long how long do the seasons usually run?
1: Three to four months. Like I feel like season fifteen has been going for a while, like at least six months.
0: I was I gonna say exactly this whole started. season agreed thing, that's been around for a while, hasn't it?
1: No, that was that was two seasons ago. Oh okay. Uh, the season we have right now, I believe, is the Hadrix is not the Hadrix Gift, the, the the caches from the uh Oh, bloody heck. Herodrum, the Herodric Cache is one. That's See, one that's I thought,
0: because you were talking about the Season of Greed, I thought we were still on no. that, or I had just finished that. Okay. That
1: one ended, the new one started, and now this one's coming in after this one ends. So you've got, okay. if you're still doing the Herodric Cache one, which is really great if you're trying to get crafting materials, you've got roughly a month, because it's the, it's the 19th today, right? Um, yeah, today's the today 19th. 19th. Mm-hmm. So you've got, like, you know, a day less than a month to get whatever you want to get done, done, because the, the season will be ending. Actually, the season will end before the new season starts, so keep that in mind, too. Okay. We
0: should probably move on, because we got other stuff to talk about here, too.
1: Yeah. Let's uh, let's actually talk about the Saurfang quest chain going live, because that's pretty oh, interesting. Oh, boy. Okay. That was a fun
0: game. Yeah. So, the Saurfang quest chain, basically, it was really funny, too, because we had somebody ask about this on Monday's queue. They were like, why isn't that chain in yet? And I kind of theorized, well... Maybe, maybe that Lost Honor cinematic, the one that we saw at BlizzCon, maybe that one actually takes place after the Battle for Dizarre lore, so we aren't going to see it until later. And then the day after, <laughs> the day after I said that, the quest popped up. So, okay. Um, anyway, there's a quest, if you're a Horde player, there should be a quest on the Wind's Redemption in Zoldazar. Talk to Dark Ranger Alina. She has a quest called The Dark Lady Calls. Um... So here's the deal. Lost Honor did actually take place earlier. It doesn't take place after the Battle for lore. Um But Sylvanas has gotten word that Saurfang is no longer in the stockades in Stormwind and wants you to go find him. And she sends you with one of her Dark Rangers to go track him down. And you go on this wild goose chase throughout Elwyn Forest. Um, it's super fun. There is... A point. I'm not going to spoil everything because I don't really want to spoil everything or anything like that. There's a point where you can make a choice. And you're essentially, I wouldn't call it picking a side, but in that moment you have to decide what you're going to do. Because obviously Saurfang and Sylvanas are not seeing eye to eye. And they are on two different wavelengths as far as how they think the Horde should be run. And what they think the horde should be, so you can throw your, you know, you can throw your loyalty in with one side or the other, and we don't know what the consequences of that are going to be just yet. However, um, one side of that quest chain, if you choose it, you get a new toy for your toy box. If you choose the other side, you get um, power for your azerite power for your necklace, like you know, just a little token thing that gives you some more of the azerite power. Um, with the note that more will come later. Like, there will be more story later. It's kind of interesting to me because this is... Kinda, this is I don't know. this is I think this is probably one of the first times that we've seen player choice come to the fore like this and actually affect which direction your quests are going to go. Cause, and these aren't
2: small choices either.
0: No, these are big choices. And they make you really think about everything that's been going on, and where your loyalties really lie. And I don't know if you're locked in to one side or the other once you make this decision. I'm assuming that you will have opportunities to switch one way or the other if you deem it necessary later on. But I don't know, because we've never seen anything like this before,
1: ever, ever. Like, yeah, it's very rare that you actually have the opportunity to say, I, I want to do X or I don't want to do X, uh, especially since a lot of people complained about not having that option uh, in the with run-up to there for... Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, there, wasn't, there wasn't, you weren't allowed to make a decision with Teldrassil, and a lot of people were kind of upset about that because they were like, this is not something that my character would ever be cool with, but we had to do it anyway because that's what the quest told us to do. Um, when 8.1 came out on the Horde side, when you do the introduction to Darkshore, I did finally get around to getting that one done. I'm so happy about that. Um, you're offered another choice at that point where you're given a job to do and you can choose whether to do the job or whether to have Blightcaller do it for you. Um, just depending on how you feel about the situation. And there's no immediate repercussions or anything. From choosing one way or the other but you kind of get the impression that these NPCs are going to remember the choices that you made and you will hear more about your choices later it's interesting it's it's just interesting because it adds like this new dimension to things that hasn't really been there before and we don't have anything quite like that on the Alliance side but the Alliance side isn't doing anything outwardly terrible as of yet you know what I mean
1: you so me there's into the Zara, lore, at least
0: yeah. There's no there's no reason for anyone to have to make that choice on Alliance side because it's the dynamic over there is an entirely different thing. And I know a lot of people are talking about oh this is just a retread. It's Garrosh Hellscream 2.0. No, this has got a really different feeling to it. It really does. There's there's something. Well, I mean, bigger going even on. Even then, here. you didn't you
1: didn't get asked your opinion mm-hmm. even then you you were just assumed you were going to rebel yeah. and join up with Volgin no, nobody yeah. gave you a chance to say yes or no to anything yeah but
0: as as far as like the alliance side of things go they haven't done anything to the degree where it's like yeah as a player i don't agree with what my character is doing not to the same level as what's going on on horde side this is one of those expansions where I know that people you know they have their side and they stick to their side or whatever but it's really I, I need to reiterate this just for the leveling experience alone it's worth playing both sides of the faction fence it really is because it's two completely different stories um, and they're both great they both have their ups and downs but they're both great and um, And there's a lot going on on the Horde side right now. But just because there's a lot going on on the Horde side right now, it doesn't mean nothing's going on on Alliance side. It just means this is where the story beat is at, and it's going to move somewhere else later on. And I'm pretty sure that the Alliance is going to get just as much to do, especially after some of the stuff that I saw with the war campaign, because I did that finally on the Horde side. Oh my gosh, you guys. Okay, there's so much going on here. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait to see where this expansion goes.
2: Rexar gets some big moments with the Horde campaign right now.
0: He really does. He really does. Um, And a lot of the stuff that the Horde is doing and that Sylvanas is doing... I should just say Sylvanas because it's not necessarily the Horde. It's her. There's a lot going on with what she's doing and it's leading up to something big. And I think I'm kind of getting the picture of what that big thing is. And we haven't even scratch the surface of what's going on here. It's gonna go places. I know it's gonna go places. I'm very excited to see where this expansion goes, because I think I know where it's going, and it's gonna be crazy. Okay, anyway, um, this is all conversations that we can have on Lorewatch, though, and we will be recording Lorewatch on Sunday. So we'll do that what? then. However, the quest chain, if you haven't played it, go go play through it, because it's worth playing through.
2: Okay. There's, a, there's a lot of fun moments. I, I really enjoyed myself doing it.
1: All right, cool. Um, next thing we'll probably talk about really fast um, is the Hive Mind Mount that has been found. If you didn't know what that was, it's the weird floating brain jellyfish mount. Uh, you should been... know
0: what it is because it's all over every city right now. Everybody has yeah. one.
1: <laughs>
2: Invasion of the Brain uh, from Outer Space.
1: It's essentially a similar type of experience to back when in uh, Legion with the the um, various secrets mounts. Uh, the ones I'm thinking about are the, the Riddler's Mind Worm and the. Really complicated one that made you go to Carazon and under Carazon to get What's that one called? One with the what? The one with the, with the, one with thing? the unicorn?
0: The one yeah, with the unicorn? Yeah. Um, I forget what the mount is called, but it's the black and purple unicorn that I love to pieces. Um, I think
2: it's the Lucid Nightmare. The lucid Nightmare. The Lucid
1: yeah. Nightmare. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. But this this new mount, the uh the the Hive Mind, is similar to that in that you have to go through a really complicated series of events to get it involving finding monocles and searching places and petting cats and suramar and the interesting part about this
0: one though is because this is a multi-person mount obviously it's a hive mind so in order to obtain it there are a couple of steps that you have to do in a five-man group like
2: including the final step
0: yeah the final couple of steps are with a five-man group um and once you complete it with that group you all get the mount There's no one person gets a mount at a time or anything. Nope, you all get it. Um, The cool part about this, though, is the way that the hive mind works. The way that the hive mind mount works is you can put in... It's like a multi-person mount. Um, If you're in a group with people, they can hop into the hive mind with you. There is a speed bonus involved um, and you four other people can go into the hive mind with you obviously five man group four other people hop in each person in there increases the mount speed by 10 percent. but that's only applicable if it's the five people that you obtain the mount with you're linked by the hive mind and that's where the speed bonus comes into play now if you're hearing this and going, man, I just did it with a bunch of random people. I can't, like, I don't group with these random people. I group with my friends. That's okay. Take your friends to go get them out. You can do it more than once. You won't get them out more than once, obviously, once you have it once, but you can repeat the experience. And it's basically the last five people that you went and you did this with, those are the five people that are going to offer you that speed bonus. And that They did that specifically. I understand why they did it. I wish that they had explained it to begin with, but they didn't. Um, The reason that they did this is because they don't, if it gave you that automatic speed boost, no matter who hopped in it, we would never see anybody on anything but the hive mind ever again. And they didn't want that. (laughs)
2: It would be the Water Strider all over again. It would be
0: the Water Strider all over again. They didn't want that. They didn't want that experience. They wanted to make it like a special bonus reward for getting together with your buddies and doing this thing and getting it done. I am flabbergasted at how quickly the WoW Secrets community managed to unravel this thing. Um, I don't know if you guys were watching or not, but I was watching a couple of different Twitch Twitch streams, including the one where they finally got through the jumping puzzle and it was just—it was a really entertaining experience to watch them beat their heads against the wall until they figured it out. Once they figured it out, they were so happy. Um, yeah. So I don't know if you guys watched any of that, but
1: I watched the part where they found out that you had to go to Suramar and pet a very specific cat. Yeah. Um, I thinking, <laughs> oh, okay.
2: I love that petting yeah, cat I also love that they finally gave Grifta something to do. That everyone's favorite troll vendor who sells maybe. Not the most useful items.
0: Okay, the fact that the whole thing started because you bought the amulet of treasure tracking and put it on, and it actually unlocked a treasure. I mean, thank <laughs> you. Thank you for making Grifta relevant. It only took how long since Burning Crusade? A long time. A long time. Anyway, so yeah, no, but- if you're interested in finding the Hive Hivemind, um, I believe Wowhead has like all of the steps hammered out, and I imagine that in the group finder there are still groups that are going out and getting it. So, just find yourself a group, man. Get yourself a floating brain.
2: And as Mitch notes in the chat, you don't need all four monocles personally. If, you, if you're if you doing it with a group of people you know, you can coordinate and send each person after one monocle. Yeah. So, it makes it easier. Because you can cut down a bunch of time if you're all simultaneously working on the four steps.
1: Yep. All okay. Alrighty then. Uh, last thing we're going to talk about in terms of stories before we move on to some emails. Um, one of the things that got announced last week just after we did the show is they're going to be changing up the way the Overwatch League works this coming season. Uh, one of the things they're experimenting with is something they call Homestand Weekends. And those are essentially home games for specific uh, Overwatch teams. Uh, and the, the 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 way they want Overwatch League to work, ultimately, is very similar to an actual pro sports You know league where you have franchise teams and they actually play in cities and they have home games and they have away games and when you're not playing home you're playing in somebody else's home sort of thing where teams travel to other cities and so forth so it's not
0: every game always in the overwatch arena even though the overwatch arena is amazing
1: yeah they're, they're aiming for i i know the dallas fuel is one of them the dallas fuel the the Washington team whose name I'm currently forgetting.
0: It's they're gonna do the Atlanta Rain, Los Angeles Valiant, and the Dallas Fuel. Okay, Those three that's... teams are going to be doing the homestand weekend series.
1: And then the various other teams are going to come play them at home, where they're they're basically going to be playing in various places in their home cities. And they'll they'll basically be like series. It's it's not it's not going to be just like, okay, that team comes and plays and then we're done. It's going to be like they're playing over a, like two three day period they're going to be playing like eight teams um, so it's still not quite the way you would expect a home or away game to work but it is still pretty cool if you're it's a, a little softian.
0: yeah it's a little bit different um the first one of these weekends they're calling them what is it it's like a homestand weekend i think is what they're calling yeah, it
1: homestand weekends yep. the
0: first one of these is at Tail end of April, and Dallas Fuel is going to be hosting a bunch of teams. They're going to be playing the Chengdu Hunters. I'm I'm going to just mangle these names. I'm so sorry. I will practice them. I swear. Um, the Spark, Houston Outlaws, the Spitfire, Paris Eternal, Los Angeles Valiant, and the Soul Dynasty. Um, there, those teams are going to come out to Dallas and play there over the course of two days. And the I think the fuel they're calling it an ultimate weekend is how they're framing it. Um, so yeah, these guys are actually going to be going out to Dallas to play in Dallas and on the Atlanta side of things, people are going to be coming out and they're going to be playing in Atlanta. And I think that one is in July. They're going to have, yeah, yeah, they're going to have the mayhem, the charge, the excelsior, the fusion, uh, the dragons are going to be there. The defiance going to be there. And I think Washington justice is going to be there as well. And then in August, that's when the valiant are going to be hosting and they're going to be playing. What is it? Atlanta, Boston, Dallas, uh, the spark gladiators, excelsior. I think they're bringing in Vancouver. And the Titans. Yeah. yeah. And, the
1: Titans.
0: and the dragons. And then there's one other team. Oh, the, the shock. shock, San Francisco. Yes. Yeah. Um, and that's, I think it's, again, I think it's going to be, like, just over the course of the weekend. So it's it's two days over the weekend in some place where they're just going to do, like, a homestand thing. And it's just those three teams for this season. I'm assuming that if this goes over well, they will be expanding it into more cities or something like that. It's interesting. It's interesting how they're just kind of, like... They started out very centrally with the whole Overwatch League stadium there in California and everything last like with season one. And now they're slowly starting to branch out.
1: Yeah, they've said that this is the goal is ultimately hoping that they will be able to do, you know, home and away games and have that be part of the league. But for right now, this is just the first tentative step on it. Uh, where it's still pretty cool, though, you'll get to actually go and see. Even if you're not in Los Angeles, you get you could get to buy tickets for the team that you that's in your town if you happen to have. Personally, a team in your town.
0: I think it would be super cool if all of a sudden we had like London home games and Paris home games and home games like over in East Asia. Like that would be so neat because <laughs> yeah, it would allow would people. It would allow people around the world to experience these games live instead of, ah, people that live in California, you can go see these live, or you can go watch it on Twitch. It'd be cool if these were happening all over the place.
1: Plus, plus, I mean, one of the things they mentioned last year that that was hard on Overwatch League players is the vast majority of them have to uproot for the whole season. Yeah. And they're, they're, you know, living in a foreign country for, you know, in many cases for like the entirety of the season. And even if they're not, I mean, even if they're like an American player, they are in California, whether or not they're from California, Uh, there's a lot of strain on people to be spending months and months away from home. If they can actually make it so that teams are set up in a hometown town and do do home games and away games, then you'll only have to travel on certain weeks and you'll know where you're going and when you're going to be back like, it'll be much more, it'll be much more reliable, and you'll be able to stay settled down in one area. Like, and you know where Hope is at, you know? Yeah, so th- there's, we'll see if it actually happens. I mean, this is, it's pretty ambitious. and It could
2: you, go a long way to helping with the burnout that a lot of them were facing. Yeah,
1: exactly.
0: They're already helping out with that a bit, too, because they're changing up up how the schedule works. And how games are run and what days the games are played and how many games each player is playing per, like each team is playing per season. Um, The addition of the new teams should help relax that a little bit. But yeah, it was really grueling because it's like, that's, it's a very different style of gameplay from what you usually see in tournament play. Because usually with tournament play with other games, you know, you're playing in this tournament and then to qualify for this other tournament but in between those tournaments you're just playing on your own time right and with this one it's like every game counts also you're playing this many games per week and it's just the stress levels man I can't even I can't even begin to comprehend what kind of stress those guys were under in season one so I'm hoping that it kind of relaxes a little bit in season two also um, I'm still throwing myself 100% behind the Shanghai Dragons because I love them. So
1: <laughs> that's where I'm at, guys. That's this just, is their that's, year. That's just where I'm at, guys. <laughs> well, alrighty then. That pretty much covers that. So we're at the point of the show now where we do some emails. Um, if you have an email for the show, uh, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with a subject line podcast or blizzardwatch so we know it's for this show. Ann usually reads them for us, so unless she refuses and then I'm forced to do it, she'll be doing it now.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and do it. (laughs) But I think we're going to start with the second email first instead of the first email here. Um, And the second email is from Harlando, who says, Hello all, thank you for the great podcast and site. Been listening and reading since before the new site. I'm happy to support the site to this day. Thanks. My question is, which zone of the game would you like to see have a complete overhaul like the Warfront zones have to be? max level content which would make for interesting warfronts both from a narrative standpoint and or aesthetically or is there some other warfront like quote-unquote feature they could use to breathe some new life into old zones to alternate when world quests would be up cheers harlando um, I'm just going to pipe up just immediately, and then I'm going to let you guys talk, but uh, I have two zones that I think would be perfect for a Warfront overhaul for no other reason than they absolutely need an overhaul, and that would be uh, Eversong Woods and where the Exodar is at, as your Missiles. They need a revamp, guys. I mean, they've been exactly like they are since Burning Crusade. Let's touch them and do something to them. It would be great. Anyway. um Agreed. Go ahead. Both
1: of you. I think- Corey should go since he's a guest
2: oh thank you very much uh i thought about this for a minute and i think southern barons um because you got you got camp toro there so you can get the torrent involved and they haven't had like a, st- a starring presence in the two warfronts yet plus there were some dwarven ruins on the other side so you can get the dwarves out to have some fun get some dwarf structures built up there uh, i love the new designs in the warfronts for all the buildings uh it's great seeing them put into action like that so you got some good story stuff with the Torrens and the Dwarves. Maybe not the most obvious enemies, but they could be uh, agitating over some relics they found in the area. And plus you got Razorfen Crawl and Razorfen Downs just sitting there ready and waiting for some new story content around them. And yeah, there there's, we, we already,
0: there's already some kind of like factional conflict going on down there in the South Barrens. And there has been. for. It'd be kind of cool to see that ramp up. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it would be cool to see Azerite pop up there too because yeah. that's kind of, well, the implication is that there are Titan facilities all over the place and that's one of those places where there are Titan ruins and Titan things going on. So yeah, why not?
1: Well, they did mine. Oh, the, the first one they did was one I've been arguing they should be revamped for years. So, I mean, good, <laughs> but now I can't use it. But I've been thinking about this one a lot and I've got a few, but the one I'm going to talk about first is Durotar. Really? Specifically from Northwatch Hold up. Okay. Um, and what you should basically... What I'd like to basically see is a no-holds-barred alliance invasion of the Horde's home base. Straight up trying to go into Orgrimmar, trying to conquer it. And first you're trying to basically go from, from Northwatch Hold up to uh, Tyragard Keep. I think it's called Tiragard Keep. What is that place called? You know the one that's... it's. Uh, I think
0: it's Tiergard Keep, yeah.
1: Yeah, the one that's... Like, imagine that those two areas are the things they're fighting over. And it's like the Horde Alliance is trying to start a battle zone there. And the Horde is trying to stop them because they don't want them to have a foothold to launch an invasion of Orgrimmar. Then you go over to the Alliance side and you do, you know how that when, when the uh, trench got cut through uh, the Eastern kingdoms, yeah. there's like Dunmoreau and then like Elwyn both kind of just abut it. And there's that huge thing. There's that whole area there where there's just nothing. Like I was thinking, what if you tried making like a like a similar kind of warfront thing that goes from Dunmoreau through the Badlands and tries to actually get up into Stormwind?
2: Oh. So yeah. Along hit that L- trench?
1: Yeah. Basically tries to make um I'm trying to think of the name of the there's like a whole area there. Oh, bloody heck. I, we I'll know this the second I stop trying to think of it I will remember it. It's where the Dark Iron Doors originally were the burning steps black black, yeah the burning burning steps the searing gorge oh searing gorge okay there's that whole area that goes from like if you start in Dunmoreau, you can basically follow around it goes straight from Dunmoreau, you're in searing gorge all of a sudden then from searing gorge you're like right in the back forest of Elwyn. it's right along the coast and it's actually there used to be a dragon in a cave yeah Uh, i don't remember him but like he was right there and if you just go past him you're suddenly in Elwyn. Like so, the Horde might try and pull an Andoran because they have bases in the Badlands. So imagine you've got the Horde trying to trying to pull an Andoran using their bases in the Badlands and using like Blackrock Mountain as staging grounds to go into Stormwind through Elwyn. And so the Alliance has to try and hold them off to keep them from setting up a you know an invasion camp right there, right on the edge of Stormwind. Um, that would be a cool spot. Yeah, and that that would make the war a lot more front and center. Like, if each side is actually trying to set up places where they can make a knockout blow. Uh, and it would
2: give Sylvanas and Anduin a chance to pop out and do something.
1: Yeah, that would be nice, too. I but think... Um... Aside from that stuff, though, one place I'd like to see it revamped that has nothing to do with a warfront at all, but I've always wanted to see it get revamped, is Aldeman. Ooh, and i want to see oldemon not as a dungeon i want you to leave the dungeon alone but turn oldemon into an outside zone now, it wouldn't have to actually be outside but non-instance where you see what happened to oldemon since and quite frankly upgrade some of the graphics so it's be like we... an
0: underground warfront kind of yeah
1: it doesn't have to even be a warfront it's just a place to go and remember how they used to be like you know there used to be worlds like zones just out in the world. Like just put it out in the world. It's a place to go. Both sides can go in to try and find Titan secrets and you've got like redo, redo the visuals. So it looks like a Titan facility because it doesn't, it hasn't kept up. We've gotten all these Titan places since and Alderman doesn't look as cool as any of them anymore. So touch it up, make it look cooler. You can use those graphical, like, you know, changes in the dungeon but you leave the dungeon alone in terms of like what it's going to be don't change the bosses or anything like that don't uh, don't update the dungeon just leave it alone but have an outside version of it that you can just go explore and see this is what happened after they went through this is what happened after the you know ironia died this is like what's been going on in there since uh got got destroyed or did he get destroyed maybe he just got really badly hurt and he eventually gets back up and now he's really mad you know what's what's going on in oldemon since we moved on since that was the first place where we found any of this titan stuff it's where we found the disc of norganon
0: it was like the genesis for all of this strange brand bronze beard led research into titan ruins and things like that
1: yeah so what's been going on there what happened with the whole disc of norganon being there like that's where they got taken after they were taken from old from old war what's you know when they got it's removed from it's supposed to be
0: all, a big from... research library facility what else is in there
1: yeah like we know trogs were in there and they got out we know that dwarves and gnomes were probably seem to have been in there why were there gnomes there the gnomes seem to almost be exclusively from the old the old war region why were they in in Uldumon? why were there dwarves in oldemon did they come south too or was what's going on in that place what were they doing in oldemon I'd love to see them do something with that. That would be my pick.
0: I also wouldn't mind seeing them. you know what I would really like, and I mean, I know it's like it's it's part of the whole battleground rotation and everything now, so it's not really as big of a deal, but it's still kind of a big deal to me. I would like to see the Alliance try and take back South Shore and in like push push up, push up, and mop up the forsaken that are still out there in that area. I think that that would be kind of And maybe push to Gilneas from there Although again, Gilneas is another one of those places Where it's like I don't know, I don't know if they could do it But I think it would be interesting to do I think it would And then, If they like,
2: tried to remake Gilneas into a full city That would be a pretty big job
0: It would, it would um, I don't think that they'd make it like a full city or anything. I think it'd still have to be like the ruins and things like that. But if you played if you played a rogue in Cataclysm, you went back there anyway and it was after everything else had, you know, been done and essentially what happened was a black dragon had camped out there and had a bunch of followers, only he was he was not A black dragon at the time. He was disguised as somebody else. But they were all just sort of following him mindlessly. And you had to take him out and wipe the whole place out and everything. And then it was just kind of left deserted. I think it would be cool just to kind of see, like, the push there. Especially since we have the night elves already pushing to take Teldrassil. Well, not Teldrassil, because... How can they take Teldrassil back? It's kind of a stump now, which makes me sad Darkshore, every time I think yeah. about it, but Darkshore. They're back there trying to take Darkshore back, actively trying to do that, and Gilneas came to help them out because you know, the Night Elves helped them out in their hour of need, so now they're helping out the Night Elves, which totally makes sense. Actually, that was one of my favorite parts about that Darkshore intro for the Alliance side, was that after Toronto walked off and said, okay, if you aren't going to help me, we're going to get this done ourselves. And Gen stands up and says uh, if you'll excuse me I need to go do this for a while because we kind of owe them and also if I don't then Mia's just going to run off by herself because she really likes these guys. <laughs> and I was like good. That's a good nod to the novella that came out where Mia was there like right up till the bitter end trying to help people get out of there whether they were night elves or Gilneans. Um, So yeah. I think that it would be cool that if the night elves turned around and said, "Okay, you helped us, we're going to help you. Let's get you your home back." I think that'd be great. Anyway.
1: Well, I just found out you cannot fly to to the uh, world tree anymore.
0: No, you can't. It I just, just teleports you back out. It yeah. Me back. It's not it's not a three-dimensional thing anymore. It's like a painting now. So, it's like a flat object that's just there. And it's really, really interesting to look at from a distance. But yeah, when you fly up to it, it's like, nope! And just teleports you back out again. Unless you reset. Like, you go talk to the Bronze Dragon and set things back again. And then you could go back to Darnassus and everything. It's all still there. But, um, yeah. Can you think of anywhere else, Corey, that you you would want to see, one?
2: I was thinking about a lot of places that were, like, right next door to the current warfronts. Ashenvale. See what's happened there, since the Horde kind of took over in Cataclysm set up a bases there uh the mist lands right south of the Rathi highlands maybe the dwarves have rebuilt the dam maybe it's oh
1: you nice know what there again what would work along those lines what's going on in Altarak?
2: oh yeah Altarak
1: valley the alterac mountains yeah Altarak. like we we've we there's kinda, nothing like, just going. Never there's there,
0: there's there's a Grinch there once a year, and we go beat him up. <laughs> and that's <laughs> about all that happens in that area now. That's it.
1: <laughs> like maybe the maybe the you know some brotherhood or another could show up. Like there's you know various roguish groups. The uh, syndicate used to be in that area. Maybe the syndicate got when the syndicate pushed out of a uh, Arathi. Maybe they went back to Alterac. That's where they're originally from. Maybe some paranold showed up and he's like trying to reclaim his, you know, ancestral title. You could I think do a we lot. we wiped out all the paranolds, didn't we? Eh, maybe it's an imposter. Yeah.
0: Maybe it's I another mean... black dragon that we didn't know about. Rathian didn't know about. Maybe it's let's Rathian. Let's find out what's happening with Rathian. Let's let's do that. Let's focus <laughs> on the... No, okay. Anyway, so I think we've kind of like answered that into the ground here. I think we've got time for one more. Let's just go to the last question here. Uh and this one is from it looks like it's from Discord. So uh, this question says, question for the podcast slash lore watch. Is the World of Warcraft too good? I mean, it feels like we're always banging our heads against some uniform evil and uniting behind it, but a world isn't always all good, and many characters and classes would take different approaches to different subjects. In D&D, you're allowed to play a spectrum, and because of that, it opens up many different paths for you. But in World of Warcraft, they keep up the challenge to find a moral high ground for the horde while letting the Alliance drown in its sunshine banality. (laughs) Those are some words, dude. Anyway, it says, I would almost argue we should be allowed to mine the ashes of Teldrassil for its sinister nutrients continue to enslave dragons and should have the option to align with Sargeras or the old gods. Well, we can't really align with Sargeras because Sargeras is busy having his face beaten in by Illidan somewhere on a planet far, far away.
1: You can't make an alliance with somebody who thinks of you as like a bad case of lice that the girl he's really impressed with has. Yeah, and, and that's if he thinks about you at all. Um, so Garrus does not care about us. He cares about the world soul inside this planet. In um, the old gods, the old gods think of us as tasty things to mess with. Like you can ally with them, sure. You can. You can okay, totally but... be a. You know. But to go back to the question
0: at hand here, do we think that the world of Warcraft is focusing too much on us being good or trying to find some kind of moral high ground or something better to be?
1: Is there a way that I can say that the Horde has gone full-on supervillain evil without making people angry? Because I'm sorry, you guys. I'm, I'm having a hard time thinking of how morally good the moral high ground the Horde's got going on. I. Sorry, I know people love to play on the Horde. They're doing and I'm not some you really,
0: you really dark things right now, and I'd kind of argue right now that they are leaning towards the side of not so great. Um, I guess like there, the there are elements of the Horde that are kind of like not okay with that, and you can choose to side with the ones that are not okay with that, or you can choose to side with the side that is doing things that maybe aren't the best things in the world to be doing. Um, so that choice is kind of there a little bit. The Sour Fang quest line allows you to make that choice a little bit. There's not really a a counterpart on the Alliance side. There's no point in the Alliance where it's like, Hey, would you like to do something really evil? That's just not how the Alliance works. I admit that
1: I wouldn't mind. Like if there was was something. Okay. Sorry, sorry, Corey. No, Uh, I was jumping on you. You go.
2: I looked like for a second that that was going to be Jaina, but then she just disappeared for all of Legion. Uh, now she's kind of towing the company line again, getting the cult on the side and showing up to save the day.
1: I kind of have hope that that's what Dazara Lore is going to be a little bit. That it's a military victory, but it's one that kind of ends up not having been the really good decision and one that's more of a warring. It's more out of blood hunger and warring interest than actually doing the right thing. Like, it looks like. I mean, I don't know because I haven't done the fights yet and I've only seen minimal stuff about it, but we know who the bosses are in there. And we know that at the end of this, when the Alliance is all said and done, when they've finished their attack and the horde are driving them out, they, they will have made an enemy where they didn't have one before. And so that's kind of like, I'm hoping that that's something that gets played into the idea that, you know, you can have the best of intentions, but do the wrong thing. I feel
0: like they maybe touched on that a little bit already, just with the introduction to lost honor. Um, when andwin was looking at the bodies that were coming in and he made that comment where he said at first i thought we were fighting you know for peace for the greater good but now i'm i'm beginning to think we're just fighting just fighting um so it sounds like that's something that's kind of starting to sink in with andwin a little bit but yeah i i don't i don't know if that's going to be something that comes across to like the average player, or if it's something that's just reserved for Andwin and how Andwin is thinking, and he's going to kind of like explain it to us all at some point, I hope it's not just a case of andwin explaining this to us all. I hope it's 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 something where we get to come to that conclusion ourselves. You know what I mean,
1: yeah, I think that there's certainly some room for that in what's going on, but we don't there's still a lot we don't know, we don't know anything about eight point two yet, so I mean, we do know some things about Boy Two, but we don't know anything about the story of it, so we don't know how that's gonna play into the whole Horde Alliance conflict. Uh, I do in general I, I, I play a lot of D and D and quite frankly, when you have a D and D group with a lot of guys who do stuff like, you know, you know, we're going to like ally with evil and drink the blood of our enemies and it just after a while it gets really hard to run a game with them. <laughs> so I feel like WoW doesn't need to go to the point where, you know, every time you get a quest it's like, We can save these babies from this burning orphanage. Oh, we can eat them. Like, I don't, I don't want that. That's okay. I don't want to choose the, 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 be, the eat them option. I, I get that, you know, some people would want to, but I'm, I'm, I'm down. on am not doing that.
2: Okay. I have a modest proposal that, you know, babies are good eating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> no. Okay.
0: Corey, you got anything else to add? <laughs> Besides I, it, that?
2: It, <laughs> um. I, it's just the scope of the storytelling they're doing. Uh, when you when it's you and your buddies, and there's five people sitting around a table with the um, with the storyteller present, it's really easy to to change things up on the fly and give people those in depth, deep moral decisions. But with five million people playing, or three million people playing the game, whatever the number is now, you're looking at a lot more individual choices. So you would end up splitting the factions into three or four different camps easily. And that's a lot of that's a lot of development time to make storylines for each and every possible choice that a player wants to make.
1: Yeah, they're making forays into giving people choice, like like we just talked about the the fact that you can pick. You know, I'm okay, Sylvanas. You want me to kill Sarvang? I'm down. Or you can be like, Nope, not doing it. And that's cool but i don't know how much of that you can really put in like not every every quest can't have that kind of moral dichotomy into it or we'll never be getting anywhere there will be no coherent narrative
0: well and i think where i stand on that right now is that i'm cool that we were given the decision it was interesting too because when i was playing through that question and i got to the point where it was like okay you have a choice to make here what's your choice going to be i picked what i wanted to pick because it was just a snap decision for me. I knew what I would pick, and I knew what the character I was playing would pick, just based on who they were and how I thought of them, because I'm on a role-playing server. We think about these things, right? Um, There was another person that was standing there, and they were just standing there. And all of a sudden, they piped up and say, and they said, I've been standing here for 10 minutes, and I still can't. I don't know what to do (laughs) like they were actually they had to think about it like they really had to think about it and they never really had to think about it like that before so it's cool that they introduce this moment where we have to think if we want to if we want to get into you can think as much or as little about that decision as you want but it warns you when you make that decision If you choose not to take the path that has already been set, it says that there will be consequences and people will remember this choice that you've made. And it asks you if you're sure. And if you say yes, you're sure, okay, you're set on that road now. Where that road leads, I don't know. And if it's not handled appropriately, then I'm going to start to question whether or not we should have been given the decision to begin with. But if it is handled appropriately, then we've got a new dimension all of a sudden added to our gameplay, something that wasn't there before. Um, One of those things that I always really enjoyed about Bioware games in particular was that you had that choice. It was a single-player RPG. The only game you were affecting was your own, um, and you were the main character and the only character in your story, and you had all these NPCs who were already written out, and they had various ways that they could react to you depending on what choices you made and it made sense in the context of a single player RPG because there were only so many choices to be made that game had a finite end to it and whatever end the choices that you made led to one of those finite endings whatever one you happen to lead up to you don't have a finite ending in an MMO it just keeps going so I'm interested in seeing how they handle this and whether whether this is a step towards something new and interesting for the MMO genre in general, or whether maybe this was a misstep and they shouldn't have tried to do this. I, d- I don't know what it's going to be yet, but I'm excited to find out.
1: I think that's pretty much then, isn't it? That's the show.
0: Yeah, that pretty much wraps us up for emails and wraps us up for the show. Hey, Blizzard Watch! It's made possible due to the generous contributions at Patreon.com/BlizzardWatch, and your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch's supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience.
1: Thank you, Ann, and uh, let's take a moment and thank Corey for doing the show with us today and helping yeah. us with the HGC Heroes thing
2: thanks for hopping in Corey. appreciate it was It was a lot of fun i wish i was here with better news to report on hgc
1: <laughs> it's all good but uh okay guys if you have an email for the show please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com subject line podcast of blizzard watch so we know it's through the show thank you guys so much for listening this has been blizzard watch podcast and we'll be here next week